You know, intentional living is more than just a good idea. It's a life-changing way of looking at your life. Being intentional is the only way, it's the only way you're ever going to grow, only way you're going to find growth spiritually, the only way you're going to find growth in your marriage, the only way you're going to find making decisions, solving problems, is being intentional. Intentional living works in every area of your life except one. God is intentional in saving you. You cannot be intentional enough to get yourself saved, okay? So let me be clear right out of the chute here. God is an intentional God. He loves you. He cares for you. And it's because of his intentional love for you that uh, you can accept that into your life as a free gift. From then on, hey, listen, it's up to us in terms of how do we live every day? How do we choose to live and allow the Holy Spirit of God to uh, to guide us and lead us every day. I'm Dr. Randy along with Joel and Gino and Stephen and our team here at the Intentional Living Center. Uh, just opening the phone lines during this month of January to take your calls, to talk to you about life, talk what's going on in your life, things you're facing, and you're always welcome to share your story or comment with us uh, at 888 Let's get started first in Arizona. I think Cheryl's on the line with a question. Go right ahead. I have a question regarding um, help with me as a mother with an adult daughter and with my um, grandsons. Uh, my adult daughter, there's a time frame when she was 16, uh, she created uh, drama to get her dad that had abandoned her in her life for 10 years while she was growing up to attention by running away and saying, Dad, come get me. And um, that lasted not even a week, and she ended up living with a bunch of guys from um, MySpace that were in their 20s when she was 16. And I didn't see her again until she was 19 because I couldn't find her. But now she's had children. I have a 7-year-old grandson and a baby 1-year-old grandson as well. Uh, since then, she's gotten into um, heroin and... Um, she's just uh, coming off of heroin Um and the children have gotten taken from her and put into foster care. So I'm, I was wondering, you know, what kind of parenting things that uh, you can uh, talk to me about um, in regards to mothering her and also um, my grandsons. Well, Cheryl, listen, God love you. This is a, this is a very difficult, tragic story, and... There's a lot of layers to it, all the way back to dad abandoning her, and he became some sort of an illusion out there, and, and she's chasing after a fantasy. And uh, that's what happens, and they move into adulthood, and then they have there's kids, and, and then you get drugs, and everything changes. So what do you do? I think you have to put your focus not so much on mothering right now as on grandmothering. You have a chance to jump over and say, I want to make a difference in the lives of those grandkids. To what extent are you positioned to take those children and provide care for those children, love those children, invest into their lives? Pray for your daughter, be available. But I would change my focus at this point more from being a parent to being a grandparent. You have an opportunity right now to reach those grandchildren, love those grandchildren, and be an intentional force, positive force in their life. You know, the first step of intentional living is elevating the problem to the surface so it's palpable. We can see it, touch it, feel it. The problem is, as I hear it, I hear a couple of things. One is 
anger, maybe guilt with your, your daughter, things you wish you had done differently or she had done differently. And so you can focus on that, but you now have really to redefine the opportunity, the problem, make it an opportunity. I can jump the next generation and make a difference in the lives of those grandkids. And when you do, you move something that's very negative, painful, hurtful, destructive to something that can be positive, it can be helpful, it can be life-changing. I'll tell you what, my wife and I talk often about the impact we have as grandparents uh, in the lives of our grandkids. And we're not with them all the time. But when we're with them, to make a difference, to speak into their life, to love them, to show them things that uh, hopefully uh, we can pass along to that generation. Maybe you have an opportunity to do that at even a greater extent uh, because of where your daughter is right now. I know you're concerned for her, and that, that's understandable. Hope that helps. Thank you uh, for uh, sharing that with us today, and I hope, I hope that's helpful. All right, let's get to another question here. It looks like a decision question coming uh, from Arizona. Go right ahead. Hi, Dr. Randy. My name is Heather, and uh, I feel like I'm at a crossroads in my life where I do have a lot of decisions that I need to make regarding my career and whether or not we should relocate our family. And any kind of advice that you could speak about that would be greatly appreciated. And thank you very much. Um, God bless, and I love mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Heather, and I appreciate you leaving that question for me today. And I do have some thoughts on that. But when you're making a decision about your career and about where you want to live, I would encourage you to go back to your values and ask the question, when I look back 15, 20 years from now, what do I want to be true about my life? Because right now you're caught up in making this decision and we can move there and sell the house and get another house and that's going to be fun and that'll be great. And But what about the kids? What about the grandkids, grandparents? What about the relationships? Is this a good move? Is it a positive move to move away from the family? Or should you stay near the family? Uh, are there career opportunities there? Where is that career taking you? How is it going to impact your relationship with your kids? How does it impact your finances? And so these decisions, in my view, should be not just short-term. These are long-term decisions. A short-term decision is where we're going to go out to eat tonight. Or maybe even a vacation we're going to take next week or next month. But these big decisions like, changing careers, moving, I think need to be really thought through. Uh, Because if they're not, I've seen this in the lives of some people who make decisions, they look back later and say, boy, I wish I had thought about that. I wish I'd gotten counsel on that. That's the second thing. Find some people who have done what you're thinking about doing, the career and the move, and ask them what they learned in the process. There's wisdom by many counselors, and sometimes the counselors are those who've been through the experiences that you're looking to do. hope that helps. Two things, think long-term and get counsel. That's intentional living, elevating it, and then doing the next right one thing, elevating the problem or the opportunity, and then getting the right kind of counsel. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll be right back. This is Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. We are Intentional Living, and we'll be right back. 
Hey, have you ever said to your kids, clean up your mess? You've seen the mess in the bedroom or the playroom or outside, and you want them to learn to clean up their own mess to be responsible. And that's one of the things we need to be telling ourselves. Hey, self, clean up your mess. And the mess might be a relationship, it might be a financial issue, it may be a health-related issue, maybe there's a person that you need to connect with and, and deal with some issues uh, to benefit the relationship or sometimes even to finish a relationship. But learning to clean up our messes is a powerful reminder of what we tell our children that we need to be telling ourselves for God's glory and certainly for our benefit and the benefit of our family. Ah, that's an excerpt from the teaching this month on the topic of live by what you tell your kids. Clean up your mess. You ever tell your kids, clean up your mess. My wife was good at that because she, she didn't like messes. And so clean up. She tells me that. Come on. I hear that. Clean up your mess. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, in life, we need to learn. We can, the things that we tell our children are usually pretty good advice. Come on. Most of us are telling our kids good advice. Don't touch that. I'm proud of you. Not now, maybe later. We can't afford that. These are things we should be telling ourselves. And so I thought I'd do a lesson here at the beginning of the year on some of the top 10 things that we tell our kids that we need to tell ourselves and why and how they can be encouraging to us. It's kind of a fun lesson and uh, hopefully... Something that will help you think about that intentionally this year. So, members, watch for it. It's coming out later in the month, but uh, we'll be getting it to you. If you're not a part of the team of Intentional Living, I hope you'll join us, part of our ministry of our radio, Family Life Radio uh, Network, but it's funded separately. Your support allows me to do this, uh, keep us on the air, and thanks to our radio stations around the country allow us to be a part, as, as well as our podcast and the other things we do digitally. Uh, so thank you for making it possible. Just go to theintentionallife.com and click on donate or call during West Coast Business Hours, 888-888-1717. All right, Chrissy, you've been waiting in Kansas. Go right ahead. My question is, my 19-year-old will not work, will not. Like we, I mean, he keeps, you know, he'll have 50 excuses. He'll say he's trying, he's trying, he won't do it. And um, it's kind of causing a rift between me and my husband because we don't really know what to do. And we've asked him to leave. And, you know, I wouldn't have just made him leave because he wasn't working, but he also is just really angry and kind of hateful, too. And it's causing a issues with the yeah. other children, too. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like you have a little delay. You're on the, on the horns of a dilemma here. You love your 19-year-old, your but you know what? He's probably been getting away with this kind of disrespect for too long. And uh, if we dug a little deeper, we might find a pattern where maybe we jump in and solve problems and cover up issues too quickly for him. I don't know. Just just a thought. Uh, I think it's time for the gravy train to stop and say enough's enough. You're 19. If you're going to live here, here's the way it's going to be. Love you. You want to live here? You don't want to work? Fine. If you don't want to work, then you're going to help out around the house. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to earn your keep. Uh, we're going to put a little rent in here, so you're going to have to figure out something. Um in other words, we love you, but we're not going to make it easy for you. We live in a culture today, far too many people are on the gravy train. And it's, it's just, it's unfortunate. I know some deserve that and need to be, and I, God bless them. That's why we need to have those kind of opportunities to support people and, and help people. I get it. But listen, there are a lot of people who are very capable, healthy, can uh, provide for themselves that we we are damaging them. We are hurting them by not really requiring them to be an active participant uh, in the life of the family and the community in a healthy way. 
And by the way, I can understand why he's angry. He's probably angry at himself, angry at the world. Um, no, I don't think God wired us to just sit. He didn't. He didn't wire us to sit. And if we're sitting and we're not a productive part of society, it can be frustrating. Some of you, God bless you, some of you who are disabled right now and you've been an active person all your life, you know exactly what that means. You feel that way. Man, I wish I could do more and I want to be more active. I want to be more helpful and I can't. My body won't cooperate. And it can create those kinds of feelings. And uh, you need to cut, some, cut yourself some slack. But for those who are capable, we need to encourage them to get on with their lives. All right. Talking about uh, being intentional and elevating the problem to the surface and then figuring out what's the next right one thing to do. Let's go. Let me see here. We got Diane uh, with some difficult people, apparently, in, uh, in Arizona. Go right ahead. My husband and I are in our 70s, and we have uh, three adult children, uh, ages 50, 48, and 38. Uh, when they were in their teens, they uh, rebelled and turned to a different lifestyle. And then all down through these years, just many, many, many hurtful things have been happening. And uh, they only call when they want to check to see if we're still alive or if we have a physical need. There's no emotional bond or connection at all and has not been since their younger years. And so we are at the point where we are wondering, is it ever okay to just say something to them like, is there a way that we could reassure you that we're okay physically and then just not have anything to do with each other because it's so hurtful every time we have any kind of contact. They just seem to not care. They really don't say anything. They just continue to do it. And then I will find myself kind of trying to force them to have a, a different kind of relationship. Like I'll try to get one of them to call me once a week and then they'll call, but you can tell it's begrudging and it's just getting more and more and more hurtful. Mm -hmm. Boy, I hear, I hear your heart and I know your story is not uncommon. That happens a lot. But I think it would be a huge mistake. I think it would be a huge mistake just to cut your kids out. Say, don't, don't contact me anymore. We don't have anything to do with you. We'll let you know when we're dead. I mean, come on. Uh, I don't think we allow the negative uh, emotion of feeling hurt to drive us to do something that's even more hurtful. In other words, that's sort of a, that feels a little bit like I'm paying you back. I'm going to just tell you, hey, don't contact me anymore because you're hurting me too much. What I would recommend, because listen, we're elevating the question to, into that level of understanding the visible problem. The problem is you don't feel, you don't feel that your kids love you. That's what you're telling us. I, I don't feel my kids really care. Maybe they're just waiting for the, the death to come and there's a, a will or an estate and find out what it is. I don't know. Um, if you have an opportunity to talk to your children individually about how you feel, you could do that. But... I do know this, what would be important is when your kids call you to find out how you're doing, I would encourage you to say to them, honey, I appreciate the fact that you cared enough to call me today to see how I'm doing. That means a lot to me. Uh, because frankly, there's, you know, dad and I, we're at a point in our lives, we don't have a lot of other things going on. And so whenever we hear from you, we appreciate it. And I just want you to know I, we love you and we're praying for you every day and make sure you do. And that we care about you and the kids 
And whenever we have a chance to, to be together or whenever we have a chance when you call, I just want you to know that means a lot to us. Thank you. I'm telling you, that kind of encouragement will foster or encourage better behavior on their part. Not demanding, begging, being upset. Secondly, I would encourage you to have a life beyond your kids. Get into your own group, go to church, get into the senior group, get into Bible study, get involved in some community activities, volunteer, do lots of things so you so so whenever the kids call, they get a they get the answering machine. Because you're sitting around waiting for the kids to call and they're not calling and they're probably not going to call and you can waste your life waiting for something to happen that's not going to happen. You do those two things, and I think it could be uh, positive for you. I hope that helps. All right, let's go. Another uh, another call here from uh, Arizona, it looks like. Go right ahead. Hello, my name is Joanna, and my question today is, I've been married for 35 years, and I find that my husband is very critical and He's very sensitive when I try to talk with him about anything that we might need to work on. He moves into a defensive mode, and I can't seem to settle anything with him because he turns things around and places a lot of blame upon me, and... I can't find a way to work with him on any kind of improvement to our mutual communication or to these criticisms that he places upon me that have made me feel quite bad about myself and lose my confidence as a person. My husband is very charming, both in the public and when we've tried to do counseling and it always comes across he would be the person who is doing everything possible for the marriage and therefore everything would be blamed upon me. And I, I can't seem to find a way to move forward or to enhance our relationship because of this. Mm. Joanna, that you, you articulated your problem very, very clearly. And uh, as you were talking, I was thinking, I think as a man, I, I do this. I have to be honest. I do this a lot of times with Donna. She'll communicate something, try to communicate something to me, and I misread what she's trying to say to me, and I take it as a personal attack. You ever do that, Joel? I don't know. Well, yeah, I get a little bit of that. Uh, I, this is what can happen to us as guys. Uh, we can be very sensitive to feeling criticized when we're trying to do something. And so part of it is how we communicate something. And and perhaps in your case, knowing that that's, that approach ain't going to work, uh, maybe it would be more helpful if you, if you and your husband could agree to say, could we sit down maybe once or twice a week and just kind of go over things that are going on in our family and our marriage and talking about it. And you listen to him. How are you doing? What do you like? What, what's not working for you? Or what are some issues we need to work on? Maybe there's a little checklist of things we go through. I think, I don't know if this is the case, but sometimes what happens is you're heading in a certain direction. Then all of a sudden out of the blue, you get a comment or a question or something and it sets you off in terms of, wait a minute, I'm going this, what is that about? 
And you can, and if you're like me sometimes, come on, guys, we can overreact and feeling criticized. And so I would uh, suggest maybe the two of you thinking of a better way of approaching communication. How can the two of us communicate to really get to the bottom of some issues in an intentional way and not focus on just being hurt? Because I hear your heart. I hear your heart. You're feeling hurt. You feel belittled. And, of course, that, uh, that undermines a marriage. Good reminder for us. Thank you, Joanna. Let's take a break, okay? And uh, we'll be right back. Laughter, fun, hope. You'll experience all of this at the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night. What's the process to build an intentional marriage? The reality is there should be a great big sign across our foreheads on the day we get married that says, Assembly Required. You'll have a great time at the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night. Friday, March 1st at New Hope Church in East Lansing. And Saturday, March 2nd at the Auburn Hills Christian Center in Metro Detroit at 7 p.m. Register at theintentionallife.com. Yeah. I hope you do that today. She's reminding us uh, we're going to have a good time. We are. I, you know, I'm not going to go out and do this unless we can laugh a little bit, learn some things. And here's the deal. When you leave to challenge you with one thing for your marriage, if you're feeling stuck, you want some encouragement, maybe there's some issues you want to uh, see addressed and they will be. We're going to talk about some things in a very helpful way. It's not a, we're not going to be, a, it's not a threatening kind of an event. Okay. So guys, if you're listening, you think, oh, I don't want to go to some marriage conference. This is not going to be a threatening deal where you're going to be shoved under the pew thinking you've been targeted. Bad husband. No, that's not what we do. Uh, we're there just to learn together on how marriage works. Uh, so it'll be a practical night, uh, a couple hours, two, two and a half hours. Again, East Lansing, uh, that'll be coming up on uh, Friday night, March 1st. And then in Auburn Hills in the Metro Detroit area, that'll be Saturday night, March the 2nd. And uh, we'd love to have you be a part of it. You can get your tickets today at theintentionallife.com. That's theintentionallife.com. Love to see you on those nights. All right. Uh, let me see here. Let's go to New Mexico. Looks like um, question about decisions. Go right ahead. My name is Michelle. And my question is, sometimes I'm not sure if I'm making the right decision because it's it's me thinking it or if it's God that's leading me to it, even though how much I pray and I read my word or I worship or I ask friends, sometimes I still don't know if it's the right decision because I want it so bad or if that's the road that God's leading me. Well, Listen, that that's a great question, but my, my guess is you have a tender spirit, you got a tender heart, and if you're praying, seeking God, the Bible says uh, that He'll give us the desires of our heart if we seek Him, if we delight ourselves in Him. And if the question wouldn't be, is this the right decision? The question is, are you really delighting yourself in God, meaning you're really focused on God, He's the delight of your life, you want nothing more than to um, to serve Him, and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt you and guide you. I believe if you do that and you get good counsel, sometimes we need to get counsel, find some godly people who can give you some input, ask you some questions, and you're praying like crazy. And then when you need to make a decision, if you're feeling in your heart at that point the right thing to do, I'd say act. You got to move. I tell people on decisions, you know, sometimes we got to get every little box checked off before we make a decision. You get 80% there. You're pretty clear at 80%. Move. 
And then as you start to move, say, God, if this is the wrong thing, make it clear to me in the next week or next day. Uh, you're constantly sensitive to God's leading. But I think, listen, I just say this to many of us, we can use this as an excuse not to act. We can say, well, I'm not quite clear if God wants me to do this. You've been praying, you've been getting counsel, you see the problem, you see the solution, you see the opportunity, and you say, well, I just don't know. And then you got to ask yourself, is it my problem more than God not directing me? And then you act. And when you do, right, you pray to ask God to give you the clarity that it's the right thing. All right, I hope that helps, Michelle. I don't know what that decision is, but uh, I'd have a little more confidence in your relationship with him and your decision-making, all right? All right, speaking of decisions, uh, it looks like we have another question uh, in Kansas. Go right ahead. Hello, Dr. Randy. This is Peggy. I live in Kansas. My question is, our daughter has been living with us for about 11 months. She's 32 years old. She has two young sons and two. Her husband divorced her in November for repeated affairs on her part. She's making very poor decisions, and it is scary to have her evicted from our home, and it's scary to live with us. Trying to make that decision is leading us to quite a quandary and lots of prayer. Mm. So how do we make that decision, and how do we risk those boys by kicking her out of our yeah. home, yet how do we get her out of our home? Yeah, that, that, Our that. life is just not our life right now, oh, and we need it back. Yeah, I hear that. Boy, listen, that, that you just asked the question. If there were no kids involved, no grandchildren involved, you know what you'd do. I mean, the decision would be clear. This is not safe. It, here's the question. It's not safe for those grandkids with her. Does some action need to be taken to protect those kids beyond your, you and your home? Are you providing some protection that they're not going to have if they leave your house? And so you got to ask some questions about uh, the safety of those kids. My focus would be totally on those kids. If your daughter is just rebellious, uh, refusing to help, taking advantage of you, come on, that's probably what's happening. Taking advantage of your goodwill, knowing that mom and dad will be there, and I can, I can do what I want to do. You know, you got to call a stop to that, and knowing too that uh, because the kids are there, you're feeling responsible and obligated. I, I would ask the question. If that were me, the question I would ask is, are those children safe if I ask them to ask her to leave? Are those kids going to be okay? And if the answer is no, then the question is, are they okay now? And if not, then maybe you need to seek some outside counsel and help on uh, what do you need to do specifically. Can't answer that on a five-minute call on a radio show. That's something you need to go talk to someone about. But the focus needs to be on those kids more than your daughter. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you for being a part of Intentional Living. This whole month, uh, we've been focusing on questions. Love to talk to you. I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to leave our comment line open for your questions. Stephen will check them regularly, and we'll get these up on the air. If you have a question for me, just tell me who you are and give me the question, and I'll see what I can do to, to give you our input from Intentional Living. You can call 888-888-1717, 888-888-1717. By the way, those of you calling during the live shows, uh, we've been making available, haven't mentioned it, but uh, we've been making available to you all a little encouragement, a little gift, the one thing that makes a difference devotional. Uh, I'll tell you more about that next time when we're on the air. 
All right, got to run. Thank you, Joel, Gino, Stephen. God bless you all. I'm Dr. Randy. Have a great day. See you next time.